Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And uh, it's going to take me two and a half hours to know that the message of my movie is, hey, things aren't always black and white. Sometimes everybody's just morally gray. And I'm going to be attractive and then ugly and then very attractive and then extremely ugly and then pretty attractive again. Uh, that's true. Hey, how are you doing after watching a two and a half hour Paul Feig movie? Uh, as well as can be expected. Well, good. Uh, as for me, uh, I'm, I'm stuffed. I didn't have food all day and then actually uh, was making a bunch of shrimp Alfredo. Uh, and that took her a long time. I think it took, took her like two hours to do. So I watched like six episodes of One Piece while she was doing that. Uh, and then I ate two whole platefuls, and my God, am I full. Damn. So, yeah, uh, I needed food. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of meatballs, my boy. It was shrimp Alfredo. It was just it's just a lot of carbs. That's it. <laughs> For some reason I wanted to go with that's a spicy meatball, but I don't know. Could have been a spicy shrimp ball. Shrimp balls actually sounds disgusting. Don't ever make shrimp balls. Is shrimps meats? Yes. Them's fish. Okay. That's really all I have. I've been playing uh, some GBA games, and uh, they're fun. Forgot how fun the Game Boy Advance was as a as a console. Which games? Uh, <laughs> they are the Dragon Ball Z Game Boy Advance games. They're like sort of uh, not. They're not side scroller beat 'em ups, but they're like you know move in every direction beat em ups like you, you you travel around an overworld there's there's enemies who who fight you and you fight them and you beat them most of the time unless you're bad at the game like i am and then you just die to them sometimes do you ever play the bionicle game i have not yeah bionicle was a weird thing that was around yeah uh i thought they looked cool because it was like oh look at legos trying to get into like the action shit and then i was just like i have a bionicle it's cool that's it then and i never paid attention to bionicles afterwards i liked bionicles because it was a thing that uh me and my nephew could both be into at the same time should have just been magic the gathering that's the only thing to be in well that's now when will then be now? Soon. Uh, fantastic. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's get into uh, the, our first segment, which is What's Your Swill? Where we talk about alcohol. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. All right. And I'm having Coors Blan- Blanket Banquet. Coors Blanket Beer. I uh, had a bunch of them last night. It was good. 
There you go. Uh, I'm drinking water right now, but uh, I will be talking about this soon. I did go to the movie theaters to watch a couple things, uh, both of which are actually relevant to the show. And I got a uh, mango mojito uh, last night. Uh, it's not a gay drink. Mojito. That's uh, a family man that joke. Is. Uh, it was. It tasted way too much like mango. I didn't get any any other flavor. It was nice, but it was just mango. Okay. I don't know. It sounds. It sounds nice. It was nice. It was also. Uh, what the fuck was it like fifteen dollars? It was also like one of those like b- tall baller glasses. It was it was a sizable amount of alcohol, but like fifteen dollars for that, I could have gotten two budget bottles of wine at the the local grocer. I drank, um, like I said, I'm having the course banquet. I had like six of these little bastards last night. And uh, I don't know. I was feeling pretty good. I was uh, playing the guitar and the wife and I were singing and we're just having a good old time. There you go. And uh, now my fingers hurt because I haven't played my guitar in a long time and I have blisters and now I have landscaping duty. And now you have landscaping duty. Oh, uh, you know, what, 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 I was looking at your Twitter. You posted, I think, last night at like 4 p.m., uh, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And I'm like, oh, no, is this his weekend now? <laughs> is his weekend just yeah. starting? Well, yes, uh, I am on the tail end of an 80 hour work week. Never forget when Caleb was like, I'm the big boss now. I never have to work again. <laughs> fucking idiot so i guess it's good then then that uh we put in five hours of movies i can't remember how long point break is it's too long is what i can tell you it's like two hours yeah Yeah, so a lot a lot of movies uh thankfully no series until next week and uh hopefully you can split those up but uh let's talk about some other happenings this week in the news Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right. Uh, our first story is that Netflix added 2.41 million subscribers, even though it still sucks ass. I'm trying to even think, like, because, like, a lot of people were bitching early in the morning, being like, ah, oh, Netflix needs to change their strategy. Ah, oh, Netflix needs to do this. Ah, oh, Netflix needs to do that. Which uh, led me to post a, a fantastic meme over on Netflix and Swole, uh, uh, the Netflix and Swole Twitter which was uh, it's it's the very aftermath of the witch sequence in Monty Python, the Holy Grail. The the night being like, hey, who are you who are so wise in the ways of streaming content? I am some <laughs> random Twitter <laughs> user. My liege, like there's some fucking God's gift to green, like the green earth that we have that they thought, oh, the way the streaming service can save themselves is by having good content. Maybe they should just make good content. Oh, okay. How easy is this for you and everybody? Hey, I've noticed that your content is bad. Have you thought of maybe maybe doing good content? 
So then uh, they come out, they they post like positive subscribers all, for the first time all year. It wipes out the deficit they've been in all year, which is cool, I guess. Uh, and fucking haters are just out like backpedaling from everything they said earlier in the morning or like trying to recontextualize everything they said in the morning about like how bad Netflix mm-hmm. is. So interesting things to note from this, Netflix will no longer be providing subscriber number guidance, meaning that at the end, like whenever they talk about subscribers, they will not be talking about like future subscribers. So like they provided guidance for next quarter, which is 4.8 million subs, which I think is ambitious. But uh, I also thought them getting a million subs this quarter was ambitious and they got 2.4. So shows what I know. So they they know they must know something. And also the ad tier is coming out in November. So likely a good portion of that will be uh, for a good portion of the increase will be from that. Now, the main thing will be focused on revenue, which I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do at this point because of two factors. Well, really, it's just one whole factor, but it uh, compounds into two things. One, it, well, the main factor is the re- recession. Uh, with the recession coming, revenue is likely to drop for everybody. Uh, and that that's bad. And also because of the recession, uh, the dollar being so strong as it is, and the dollar continuing to get historically stronger and stronger, therefore pushing down other currencies and Netflix not raising prices in the areas where the currencies don't match up, uh, has them losing revenue uh, in terms of U.S. dollars. But in terms of subs, they're they're great. But uh, hmm. it's it's a weird it's a weird strategy to do this now. But all that tells me is they're not really focused on actual sub growth anymore. They are focused on sub retention and revenue growth, which means with the uh, ad supported tier, therefore getting ad revenue. And then, of course, having to split that with Microsoft. And then uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. But the password crackdown is coming. So we'll get more revenue from that in theory. I think that's still a bad idea. But yeah, so we're we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, strange, strange times are ahead of us. Well, all right. Uh, speaking of that password crackdown thing, the anti-password sharing measure will go into effect in 2023. Um, a lot of sky is falling shit from this. We have no idea what this is still. We don't know what they're testing. Like, we know what they're testing. But we don't know what's going to stick. Let's just wait till they say something, guys. Let's just wait. Yeah. I, for one, know nothing. There, There's the things of, like, sub-accounts where you can either like pay two extra bucks or whatever to add like two people to your two other people to your account or something. I don't know. I I'm, I just want to wait until they, they do this before I make a judgment on it because either way it affects us because I mean, you live in a different location than me. My parents live in a different location. Uh, if I have to cut somebody off, it will probably be my parents. <laughs> That's true. And they're like, son, how could you do this to me? And I'll say, when you do a podcast with me, then we'll talk about it. Yeah, Linda. What I'm saying is uh, I I control all the finances. So, yeah. I wield supreme executive power. Thanks to some bent in a lake. (laughs) Some wet bitch jumped out of a ditch. (laughs) Uh... I love it. 
All right. Final news story is that Netflix's first original Lily Hammer is set to leave the service in November. Oh, shit. Yeah. What for? Uh, apparently, it was just strictly licensed. This was think of it like uh, the Marvel shows. OK, so it's uh, reverting back to its original distributor, distributor rights, distributor rights. And uh, who knows from there? It, it can pop around to any streaming service that it wants to. Yeah. It could be on an entirely different distributor. Thanks. Um, uh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that's the thing, though, is I don't know how popular this was in the first place. And uh, I don't know who cares about it now. Uh, I think it's just significant because, uh, you know, the first Netflix original. That's uh, that's notable. But again, I don't think it's that important. I don't think it's the the Marvel shows. I think this is something closer to a non-story. Okay. Uh, and that's it. That's all the news. So with that, let's get into downstream. Talk about some trailers uh, for things that eh, maybe we'll watch. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! I might watch Christmas with you. There's no, there's no, career, b- there's no, there's no, they we're watching it's, for, this is the Christmas episode. I no longer have control of my destiny. Uh, feeling career burnout. Pop star Angelina escapes to grant a young fan's wish in small town, New York. Hey, that's where I live, where she not only finds the inspiration to revitalize her career, but also a shot at true love. Seeking inspiration for a hit holiday song, a pop star grants a young fan's Christmas wish to meet her and finds a shot at true love along the way. Uh, it says Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's Freddie Prince Jr. Who, uh, when the fuck was the last time he was in anything? Christmas with you, 2022. Hey, hey thanks. I'm about to look. Apparently he was in Punky Brewster. Oh yeah, this dude took off uh like a bunch of years. Uh like he's he's worked very sparingly since his days in Scooby Doo. Oh shit, he was in Scooby Doo. Yeah. And the I Know What You Did last summer movies. With his wife, Sarah Michelle Geller. These are true things. Uh Some, sometimes I remember. Sometimes things. Uh, this looks like anus. This looks very bad. But hey, who cares? Yeah, nobody does. It's a Christmas movie. You'll watch it. People are going to watch the fuck out of this because it's Christmas movie. Wait, are they doing a live action Lilo and Stitch movie? Oh, God, I hope so. Oh, my God. The things I discover through YouTube. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, Amy Garcia was apparently in uh, the television show Lucifer. So that's how Netflix has her. Poor Amy Garcia. Her voice is terrible in the trailer. It's so bad. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. All right. Uh, next trailer is for My Name is Vendetta, uh, which might be a sequel to V for Vendetta. Uh, probably not. After living in the shadows for years in a quiet town in Sudtirol, 
Uh, a former criminal and his daughter are looking for their revenge. Starring Alessandro Gassman, uh, one enemies from Pascal's wife and brother-in-law, a former mafia enforcer and his daughter flee to Milan to plot their revenge. This, uh, I don't know, it, it kind of gives me like Leon the Professional vibes. Because it's like, uh, it's like old assassin and young girl team up to do, to do Vendetta. Yeah, you you can only do Vendetta. You cannot do Unvendetta or whatever. You can't do Revenge. It has there has to be a Vendetta. Looks okay. It was it, yeah. This was just a trailer. This is like this is one of those filler trailers that you just throw in to to increase the number of trailers. Uh, yeah, it just looks fine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Last and I guess most interestingly is the trailer for All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, this tells the gripping story of a young German soldier on the Western Front of World War One. Paul and his comrades experience firsthand how the initial euphoria of war turns into desperation and fear as they fight for their lives and each other in the trenches. The film from director Edward Berger is based on the world-renowned bestseller of the same name by Eric Maria Remark. Uh... When 17-year-old Paul joins the Western Front in World War One, his initial excitement is soon shattered by the grim reality of life in the trenches. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Uh, yes, give me this. Put it in my veins. Uh, I want to watch this. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's been a while since I've read All Quiet on the Western it's Front. It's been a while since I Sorry. heard. Uh, no, it's fine. And then, um, what? Uh, like, There's been several movies about it. I don't think we've ever had like the German language version for it. And that's probably not true, but I'm not aware of a German language version for it. I'm pretty sure they've all been like, you know, English speaking actors putting on to fix German accent. So that way they could get blown up in the trenches by a uh, dude. Yeah, we've got to see German's accents. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing Netflix is going to put this forward for their best foreign language movie uh, category for the Oscars. Uh, and might have a good shot to win. Don't care that much, but hey, good for them if it works. Yeah, good for them, eh? I don't know. This is nothing. You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch, I'm in. All right. Uh, with the trailers out of the way, it's time to get into uh, what we watched this week with Quick Hits. <laughs> Well, what I'm going to talk about is something that I said I would talk about a few weeks ago, I guess. Um, it's uh, an offering from Netflix games on oh, yeah. my phone. And the reason that I'm distracted right now while I'm trying to talk to you, uh, it's called Into the Breach. And it's a. It's a turn based strategy game uh, where you have to. Pilot mechs on a grid to fight alien bugs. So it's, uh, uh, starship troopers. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know. The, uh, the interesting gimmick of the game is that like, it's, so it's called into the breach because like in the timeline of the game, like humanity already lost and is, uh, been completely 
El Toro's been completely destroyed. <laughs> Hasn't anyone told you, son? El Toro's been completely destroyed. So, like, you send, like, your trained, like, veteran mech pilots back in time to try to prevent it. Oh, uh, so it's the like, Tomorrow War. Yeah, and also Edge of Tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, um, Edge of Tomorrow bit. So, like, you'll... Like, if you fuck up a mission, you can, like, scrub it and reset the timeline to go back and try again. It's, it's a neat it's a neat idea. But it reminds me, it's kind of like. Uh, like Advance Wars or, um, you know, like any any number of tactics games. You, you said the magic word. <laughs> it's fun. He said the, he said the secret phrase. Ah! When you hear the word of the day, scream real loud. Uh, so, yeah. It's good. Well, okay then. I, I now have to play this because uh, I've been literally looking forward to the Advance Wars uh, re-release or a remake, whatever they're doing on the fucking Switch. Uh, that's probably never happening because the game developer is in uh, Turkey. So who knows if we'll ever see that game. Nobody. Nobody knows. Not even Nintendo. Not even Mr. Nintendo himself. Not even my uncle who works at Nintendo. I would download it right now if I wasn't sure my internet would immediately crap out trying to do so. All right. Uh, did you watch or otherwise interact with Netflix? Uh, I have in, in the most roundabout way for the last two. Especially the middle one. The middle one is the most uh, haphazard, loose connection I've ever made to Netflix ever. Uh, so first I watched, uh, like six, like I said, six episodes of One Piece. I'm finally done with the Arlong Park arc. Hey, and it's good. Uh, long, though, very long. And uh, still, I think I've said this. I was talking about it with the Bratier arc. I'm very interested to see how they're going to shorten these arcs. Because uh, if the season is 10 episodes there's no way that they get done with the first three arcs, the first like major three arcs in 10 episodes based off of what I have seen. This is not happening. Hmm. Like it, the, the Arlong park arc arc uh, ended at episode 44. Jesus Christ. Yes. And that is in theory where they're ending the first season of One Piece is right after Arlong Park, which is where uh, Luffy gets his his first bounty. So like, which makes sense. Like that's like the that's like the first step on his his journey. That's like the perfect place to end it. Uh, so there, I I don't know how they're going to fit all forty four episodes into ten, uh, unless every episode is an hour and a half long. Hmm. And I don't want that. I just want I just want them to be normal long episodes. So, and uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Perfect length. Maybe a little bit over an hour every now and then, but not all the time. But yeah, uh, please, for the love of God, uh, I hope it's good because uh, these these arcs are something, man. And, and I haven't even gotten to the really long shit yet. All right. Uh, next, I watched. Uh, at the movie theaters, this movie called Devotion. Now, why am I talking about this here? This happened at a movie theater. You're correct. Uh, Gerald, a uh, good friend of the podcast, uh, said, hey, I'm doing Film Fest 919 this year, and I can't make it to a bunch of showings. Do you want this? 
And I said, yes, Gerald, I want this. I'll, I'll go watch this movie for you. So it's a Sony Columbia Pictures movie, which means this movie will eventually be on Netflix. It's called Devotion. And it stars uh, Glenn Powell of what was he? On? Oh, he was on, he was in uh, Richard Linklater's Apollo 10 and a half. And he was in. Uh, oh, God, what's that? Set it up. That's it. With uh, Lucy Liu, Tay Diggs and uh, Zoe Deutsch, which is actually mm. like a, a solid Netflix rom-com. Uh, if, if there's one I recommend, it's that one. So uh, and then Jonathan Majors is also in it. So that's like a big draw point for me is like Jonathan Majors, because like his career has taken off and he's really showing himself to be something special in terms of acting. Uh, and this story is uh, about it's based on true events. It's about the first Na- black naval aviator so when you say that when you say first black fill in the blank you assume that there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable racism a lot of like a, just a lot of that shit peppered in and believe me there is some of that but we don't get him going through like the naval naval aviator cab- cab- academy there we go uh, and like so we don't see like the worst of it all this ever really talked about is, is like it's ever really talked about. You never really see the racism. There's like some su- like I want to put it in, in quotes, subtle racism in that, like it's nobody calling him the N word or boy or, you know, other things that you would say to a black person uh, in order to make them feel like they're a piece of shit. But it's just like, hey, you don't belong here. Hey, you, hey, you shouldn't be here. Or like death glares. It's about it. And that's uh, kind of incredibly jarring. Because normally when you, like I said, when you hear first black whatever, you expect that N-words and the, all this shit. And it just never happens. So, I don't know. It feels weird tonally. But I understand that the director didn't want to just do like, oh, it's another black suffering movie. And then he triumphs in the end. And you just wanted to make it more about like a celebration of him as a person. So like, I get that, but, uh, yeah, little hard to get into because of that or a little hard to buy into like his, his struggle without like the overtness of it to me. Now, if this changes everything, this is like, this will be like a watershed moment in talking about the first black, whatever, or the first, you know, Latino, whatever, or the first, uh, you know, uh, Asian, whatever. If it, I mean, if this changes the game for everything, cool. I'm 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 cool with that, and I'll be happy about that. But yeah, uh, interesting choice. I'm not sure if it works immediately, but uh, you know, maybe years down the road it works, and maybe it's a, a normal thing that happens now in movies. Who knows? So yeah, uh, it'll eventually hit Netflix because it's a Sony movie. It's got a, it's part of their pay one deal, so. Uh, check it out whenever it hits Netflix. I actually recommend it. All right. Sounds interesting. Uh, and then the final movie that I watched, also at Film Fest 919, is Noah Baumbach's new movie, White Noise. This stars Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, Don Cheadle, and, uh, man, that's about it. That's really the only ones who matter. And, um, for about an hour and a half, I thought I knew what the movie was doing. And then uh, the last 30 minutes takes this weird turn to some area that I, I'm not able to decipher what was going on, mainly because there's no subtitles on the screen and the, the sound mixing wasn't great. So 
Yeah. Uh, if I if I said what I thought the movie is about, it would be uh, very much a spoiler. And I don't want you guys to fucking have your like what you expect of the movie to be colored. All I'm going to say is if you can get through the first 20 minutes, you're kind of golden because a lot of the movie is people talking over each other. It's like Gilmore Girls in in its cadence. It's uh, a lot of quick fire line to, line reading and line saying, uh, talking over each other. It's it's just pure insanity, but it all makes sense to a degree. Okay. <clears throat> well, it sounds interesting. And that's the thing. I may not think it's like I. It's clearly Bombach's weakest effort of his Netflix deal and what he's been doing with Netflix. But I want people to watch it because I think it's going to be interesting seeing the conversations that happen around the movie because of just how out there it is in its presentation. Well, okay. So, yeah, Uh, that comes to Netflix in December. I think it's December 30th. And uh, yeah, look forward to it. It's it's Noah Baumbach. Uh, I'll watch all of his stuff until, you know, he he throws out like. I don't even know what would make me stop watching his movies. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, to, and tonight at the at Film Fest 919, I'm going to see Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. Oh, nice. So I'll be one of the first people on the planet to see that. And I'm very excited. And I'll talk about that next week, of course. So uh, that's all I've watched this week. Uh, in that case, why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about our main review topic for the week. The School for Good and Evil. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, the Mike Rula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Delarosa, Chris Yaney, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Casey Moore, Jason the Nerdrovert, Sam the Hurlahe Boy Hurley, Nick Haskins, David Powell, and my mom. If you'd like to join that illustrious list of patrons, visit patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Or, if you'd like to support us without spending any money, you can share our podcast on social media, tell a friend, or review the podcast on any podcatcher. It'd be greatly appreciated. Now, back to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review chat before the week. The School for Good and Evil. The School for Good and Evil is a 2022 PG-13 action comedy drama film. Young adult fantasy. Uh, it's two and a half fucking hours. Uh, rated a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Best friends Sophie and Agatha find themselves on opposite sides of an epic battle when they're swept away into an enchanted school where aspiring heroes and villains are trained to protect the balance between good and evil. Directed by Paul Feig. Sure is. Uh, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of this movie? Just kind of whatever. It's it's any young adult fantasy movie. The sequel. The squeakle. Yes, uh, that is the the correct take. And I was actually very curious because it's been a while. 
been a while. Thank you. <laughs> Since I've seen the first Harry Potter movie, it was actually uh, not that long ago. I, I watched it uh, when I made Gerald, wa- Gerald watch all the Harry Potter movies and uh, forgot that that movie was two and a half hours as well. So it just seems like anytime you're setting up a movie franchise with, you know, kids at a, at a magical school, the first movie always has to be two and a half hours for some reason. Uh, and I don't yep. know why Paul Feig is the person they got to make this movie. Because this is beyond anything Paul Feig's ever done before. Even, this is even beyond Ghostbusters in terms of like the total scale of the movie. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. This movie's kind of just... It's a thing. Yeah. I, I get what they're doing. And I, I, I very much said it at the beginning of the, the episode where the whole message of the movie is that there is no black and white in terms of morality or in terms of who you are. You're human. And that is generally a shade of gray. And sometimes your gray is lighter. Sometimes your gray is darker. And that just that's just how it is. Not everybody is pigeonholed into this one thing forever that's just the way it is uh i feel like the movie spends two and a half hours to say that and that's not to say that there isn't like good stuff in in the movie like i i feel like the sequence where they're at like the the lake slash pond for however long that takes after uh gregor gets fucking murked uh, i think that that's a legitimately great scene in the movie i wish there was more stuff like that uh, unfortunately, the movie is wants to go more into hi guys. There's no good. There's no good and evil. It's just people. Hi guys. There's no good and evil. It's just people. Hell is other students. So I don't know. Um, performance wise, I think Sophia Wiley is good. I like Sophia and Carson uh, or Caruso. Uh, I think she's having fun with it in uh, a role that looks like it should have been for Emma Roberts. If this was 10 years ago, that this movie was being made. Yeah. A couple of names in here. I don't know. Kate Blanchett is like the narrator voice. I don't know. That was kind of interesting, I guess. Well, well, yeah, because uh, the other big fantasy thing she was the narrator for was, of course, uh, your favorite fucking thing. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because she was, uh, oh God, I'm going to be so embarrassed if I can't remember her name. Galadriel. It came to me eventually. I'm proud of you. Um, I thought, I actually thought it was kind of interesting how they were, how they turned the whole narration thing on its head because i as soon as i heard narration starting i was like oh fucking shoot me in the head just just fucking blow my brains out and then it turns out that her her character is just like a quill that writes in a book and i'm like okay i think i'm okay with this now i think that's fine that they're one calling on it and two kind of making fun of it to a degree i thought that was a good touch yeah i don't know it was interesting uh, person I really did not like in this movie. Carrie Washington. 
Uh, which person was that? She was the good witch dean person. Oh yeah, she she was in uh she was in uh uh, uh Quandrix. <laughs> you dummy! I know it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, that's a Magic the Gathering joke, everybody. It feels like she was in a different, like trying to be in a different movie. Like she was just too bubbly, too quirky, too overacty with what she was doing, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it fit in this serious story about a, a friend who uh, becomes an enemy and then becomes a friend again after they kill the evil. Yes. I don't know. Would you uh, would you still be my friend if we killed the evil together? Yeah. I don't know if we'd stop being friends, though, because you were turning ugly or whatever. With your big nose and your craggly skin and your fucking warts and shit. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the visual effects? Because I think that's the, the big notable thing about this movie is like the, the s- severe amount of uh, visual effects that they are doing for this. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, not the best. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, I'll agree. It's not the best. It's okay. Uh, I I think they're actually probably the strongest part of the movie overall. Like uh, I I thought, like the the fight scene at the beginning looked very good, and uh, from there on, it was just kind of like hit or miss with the the stuff. Like I said, with that sequence where the uh, where they're at the lake and the girl turn the fi- the fish turning to the girl, and then the fucking uh, you know half uh, the the half. Uh, flesh on Griffin shows up. I thought that I thought all that stuff looked great uh, when they're flying into the school. Uh, that looked like shit. Like it, it just looks like them dangling there by harnesses. Uh, it 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 doesn't it does not look very good at all. It, but yeah, it's um the visual effects are mostly good. Sometimes dodgy, but mostly good. So, uh, final thing I want to do is. Would you watch the sequel that they are clearly setting up? No, that's fair. I probably won't either, although I probably will because I'm a psychopath and uh, a glutton for punishment. So. All right, Caleb, what would you give uh, the school for good and evil? Tuned Hafe, it's watchable and that fine. Is co- that is correct. It's watchable. It is fine. It's a two and a half movie. Okay. Now it's time to do something completely different. Uh, We watched Point Break. Uh, Point Break is a 1991 rated R action crime thriller film. It's uh, two hours, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. An FBI agent goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers. It's directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Stars Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey's teeth. And, uh, you know, some other people, including yeah. John C. McGinley. Yeah, John C. McGinley is the FBI lead guy for them. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie about how many of your friends and coworkers you'd be willing to sacrifice uh, in order to catch the gnarliest wave. Yeah, no fucking kidding. Uh, so this is your first time watching it. What do you think? 
It's pretty good. It's okay. Cool. I didn't hate it. Uh, well, good. Uh, I'm glad you <laughs> didn't hate it. I don't, I, I don't know. This is a fine movie. Uh, I don't like yeah. it like I do, you know, the original Fast and Furious movie, which is very obviously a blatant ripoff of this movie. Uh, but uh, that's also nostalgia talking. I didn't see Point Break until I was an adult, like a very uh, mature adult. Yeah, it's fine and interesting. Uh, to a degree. Uh, Keanu, the way he talks throughout the entire movie is maddening. Yeah, I don't know. He uh, already does surfer talk, so <laughs> he when, uh, dials it up quite a bit. When when he was like, so what do you want me to do? Talk like a bro and smoke a bunch of pot. And it's like, oh, so just, you know, Ted from Bill and Ted. Yes, just do that. <laughs> I am a guy who talks like a surfer. <laughs> I don't know. What'd you think of uh, Anthony Kiedis as a Nazi surfer? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a subplot. It's like the first people they thought were doing the crimes. Cause this is a movie about surfers doing crimes. Um, so we had, uh, a bunch of rough boys. They were basically like the white nationalist surfer group, I guess. And uh, they suck ass. Yeah, uh, boy, we hate the, the white nationalist so uh, surfers. Uh, we, we love uh, former college quarterback Johnny Utah. <laughs> yeah, all my homeboys hate Johnny Utah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Swayze's fine in this. I don't know. I, I, he's just doing something. I don't know. I still think his best fucking performance is in Donnie Darko when he's a pedophile. But hey, that's just <laughs> that's just one man talking. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this. Uh, Patrick Swayze and his group of surfer guys are bank robbers. Uh, they dress up in. Uh, Halloween masks of former presidents and uh, they rob banks and then they spend the money to travel the world, hitting up all the best surf spots. And Keanu Reeves plays Johnny Utah, the man who will stop at nothing to end their lives. <laughs> oh, and their lives uh, also known as uh, watch them all get fucking murdered. Uh, by one renegade cop and a security officer in a bank who also has a gun. Yeah. Well, it's a thing like. It kind of has Raiders of the Lost Ark syndrome where like if they would have just done nothing, the plot would have resolved the same way because they all would have gone to the huge wave in Australia and died. Uh, yeah, if you want to consider the the giant wave in Australia being the Ark of the Covenant of this movie, sure. Yeah. I thought you were going to say they were all going to die in the fucking uh, bank robbery, which uh, is not true because there's no way that Patrick Swayze is just like, hey, let's uh, let's get the, the shit from the vault for some reason. Which I still don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. 
just gotta I don't know. Uh, well, that's the thing that like they find out like Keanu knows that they're the criminals, and Swayze knows that he's an FBI agent at about the forty five minute mark. And it's like, why don't they just shoot each other? Yeah. Because that's where it's going anyway. It's just like, we need to have more of Keanu Reeves' co-workers get shot. Yeah, that's true. We need uh, more of Keanu Reeves' uh, co-workers get shot. We need to uh, have Keanu Reeves' face held up to a lawnmower blade. Yeah. Until Gary Busey uh, shoots the fucking lawnmower instead of shooting the guy. Instead of shooting the man, yeah. Yeah, uh, for some fucking reason. But I mean, hey, good police work, I I guess. Uh, and then we have fucking Keanu uh, getting popped twice in the chest by the off-duty cop because he doesn't say, I'm an FBI agent undercover quickly enough. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, like... He never tracks down Swayze. So he knows like he'll go to this big wave in Australia. You know, he puts him in handcuffs and then he just like lets him out of the handcuffs so he can go into the big wave anyway. Yeah. And then and then after spending all this time and man hours and people's lives, he just throws his badge out into the surf and I guess just quits the force. Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make what I'm any saying sense. Is, what I'm saying is no part of this ending satisfied me. That's uh, correct and true, because it, it it's not a satisf- satisfying ending. Like, the satisfying ending is watching Patrick Swayze get arrested at the when when the big wave is happening and he's missing yeah. it because he's he's arrested like that's yeah. that's the satisfying part of the movie. But in the end, Patrick Swayze gets exactly what he wants. Yeah. Which is to die and not have to live in a cage. It's, uh, very, yeah, it's just unsatisfying. You know, at least when fucking, uh, Paul Walker lets Vin Diesel go at the end of Fast and Furious, I'm, I'm just like, okay, this makes sense to a degree. Uh, you know, he doesn't, like, he hasn't brought in, like, every fucking cop in the known world to bring this guy in. Uh, it's just him and Dominic Toretto. And he's just like, here, take the keys. Here's the, the 10 second car. I owe you get the fuck out of here. And that's it. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen it now. Mm-hmm. I'll probably never see it again. It's fair. I was never going to watch it again until you said, Hey, let's watch it. And I went, okay. Yeah. The biggest surprise to me is that his girlfriend wasn't Courtney Cox because she looks quite a bit like Courtney Cox, but who she is, uh, is Gina Davis's sister from a league of their own. Sure. It's been a long time since I've seen a league of their own, so I can't, I can't say for sure. Yeah. I don't know. She, uh, she did look a lot like Courtney Cox at that time. Yeah, definitely did. What would you give Point Break? I give it a two and a half. I give it a three. I think it's a bit more watchable than uh, fucking School for Good and Evil. Like, <laughs> like, there, there's ridiculous shit that happens, like the the bank robbery scene, 
The chase is ridiculous. The surf scenes are stupid and funny. Uh, there's a sequence. There's a 10 minute sequence of them jumping out of a fucking plane. Yeah. Well, it's the thing. It's like it stunts the movie. Yeah. But uh, let's remember, directed by Catherine Bigelow, uh, known for at this time being married to your favorite director ever, James Cameron. And James Cameron's all right. I'm just saying, uh, James Cameron directed Aliens and Terminator 2, and you like the predecessors much more. Yeah, that's true. They're better movies. So there you go. Uh, Caleb hates James Cameron confirmed. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they're fundamentally different movies, so. But he's good at making action sequels to horror films, I guess. Uh, and also he's in like a weird avatar place right now that I'm, I'm not here for. No one's here for. No one really cares. And if you do care, good for you. But my God. Did he do? Has he done all of the Terminators? Since the first one. Oh, God, no. Okay. I don't think he even did no, three. This is uh okay. He wrote for What's that, Salvation? Well, IMDB I think is just giving me false information because uh under his writer credits, uh it says Terminator Dark Fate based on characters created by slash story by, so maybe he wrote the story, but I don't know. I feel like that's more based off of Judgment Day bringing in John Connor as like a child. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I don't know what the threshold is for being a writer on IMDb, but it seems Uh, like not a lot. Yo, his fucking director shit. Wait, he directed The Terminator. Actually, yeah, that's true. Well, I didn't know that then. I just found this out. Interesting. I take back what I said about him uh, ruining uh, movie franchises if he morphed the Terminator from a sort of horror movie into uh, Terminator Judgment Day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I think that it's. I I mean, I'll say this and then people will debate it, but I think that it's kind of undebatable that the first Terminator is a horror film. It's it's a creature yes. feature. Correct. The creature just happens to be a robot. Yes, I agree with you. You're 100% correct. But uh, the original Terminator also has like one of my favorite scenes in, in movie history where like Sarah Connor goes to like the fucking discotheque club and it's like uh, Kyle Reese and the Terminator are both like tailing her, but like neither of them can make a move because they don't know which the other one is, but they both know that they're there. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of have to wait and see what happens. And like Sarah Connor is like, has had a run in with Kyle Reese and is like already wary of him. 
So like whenever the Terminator comes after her, it's like not the threat she was expecting. It's really cool. Yeah. And they kind of play off of that in the second movie by having Robert Patrick as a, a police character. Mm-hmm. So that way you think the he, because he's the police, he's the good guy. Yeah. yeah you never see him kill the cop. You just uh, see it cut off screen and. Uh, then he's in the cop's clothes driving away in the police cruiser. And it's like, given the context of the first movie, it's like, oh, he knocked out the cop, took his clothes, took his car, and he's going to look for John Connor yeah. to protect him. Good job, James Cameron. <clears throat> and then he made... <coughs> as I died. And then he made Dan Choke. And then he made Avatar, which is just a remake of every Native American movie ever. Yeah. James Cameron hasn't really directed that many movies. No, but what matters is he's directed two movies, both of which for at the time they were released, the highest grossing movies of all time. Like the dude broke his own fucking record for highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, What, 20 years later? Yeah. Yeah. Just because he fucking felt like it. And now he's coming back to save us from Marvel. You know, (laughs) I can foresee a timeline where Avatar The Way of Water, which apparently is the real title of the movie, uh, comes out into a post-COVID world where people don't give a shit about movie theaters uh, and is a colossal flop. And he's already committed to three more films and is in post-production on them. Uh, and they all end up going straight to HBO Max or something. Disney Plus. That's true. I guess Disney owns Avatar. Mm-hmm. Wait, do they own Avatar or they just have the theme park rights? Because they have the they have the very surreal Avatar theme park at Disney. They do. Uh, they have both because they bought Fox. That's true. Avatar was a Fox thing. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't give a shit about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. Uh, I haven't watched that movie since 2009. I might change that. I might actually watch that movie. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's supposed to come out when? This year? It's 2022, but there's no way this isn't getting delayed. Yeah. I don't know. Is it coming out for Christmas? That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, December 16th. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen the original Avatar exactly once. Uh, A girl I was dating was raving about it and wanted me to go see it. And then I went and saw it and I was like, "Eh, this is fine. This picture that's on a wall is in 3D. Yeah, that was like after that, I noticed that I was like, my immersion is broken and it's not coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah. Uh, look forward to Avatar 2, The Way of Water, which is a real movie title, we promise. I don't know. I feel like we just, uh, ranted about Avatar for longer than we talked about our two movies that we watched this week, but that's fine. It's fine. Because neither of them really, like, I don't know. Uh, it feels like they're both kind of just, like, what they are, and you can deal with it or not. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, well, let's get the fuck out of here before we uh, shit on more things of James Cameron. 
Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, it is an eight-part anthology yeah. series uh, releasing twi- two episodes a day, every day from the Tuesday till Friday. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro's cool cabinet that may or may not have a Native American in it. Yeah. You remember oh that God. movie? Remember that movie? Fucking Indian in the cl- in the cabinet? God damn. Indian in the cupboard, yeah. Yeah, that's it. What a fucking weird... I think I read the novelization of that movie. As a child. I think so. Which is also odd, because it was originally a book. Or what it was, was that they uh, put the movie cover on the book cover. Or like a movie still on the on the, the book cover, yeah. which... Uh, those are the Lord of the Rings copies that I have. Are yeah, I don't know, but I, with, I distinctly uh, movie. I distinctly remember at the Scholastic Book Fair them having. I'm pretty sure it was like a novelization of the movie. <laughs> but uh, also, I I remember owning and reading the novelization of the uh, Robin Williams film Jack. Uh, and then promptly never seeing the film. Huh. Well, interesting. I think I have the, the novelization for Men in Black 2 for some reason. Don't ask <laughs> why. I just did. The Scholastic Book Fair was the shit. There were a lot of things like, I don't know, the uh, the Goosebumps and Animorphs section yep. was always like, it was always everybody, everybody went into a feeding frenzy over it. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't know. I've always been like a big uh a big sci-fi buff. So like there was a a series of books that I was really into when I was younger called Aliens Ate My Homework, which we then like watched a Netflix thing. There was a movie about it on on Netflix. And we watched it the one time. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Do you remember this? Uh... It's like a tiny little UFO crashes in a kid's room. It turns out no. like it's it's a regular UFO, but it it had been shrunken down. No, I'm not, I, I don't remember this. Huh. Uh, I don't know. But, or maybe I just watched it and talked about it one time. That's possible. Because I saw it and I was like, hey, I read these books. There was that the same author had a book uh, called Space Brat, which was like. A series about. It was like a teenage alien who like he would get super mad and like beat the fuck out of things like his temper tantrums were like apocalyptic events. So it was like he was a he was basically Mr. Furious from the fucking. uh... (laughs) Uh, Back in the day when uh, people actually gave a shit about kids reading, uh, there was the the Scholastic Book Fair and then the Pizza Hut like summer reading list thing or like where you would get free pizza if you fucking read books. There was a book I remember reading called The Dark Side of Nowhere. It was a it was a sci fi book where basically like. uh, It was a town where like, you know, it was kind of mysterious. Everybody who lived in this town would have to get like. Uh, an injection every so often, but it turned out that like uh, they were all aliens that had crashed there years before. But like as they started having children, like they disguised themselves as humans by like 
basically wrapping their cells in like human DNA and stuff. So like Mm -hmm. they appeared human, but like as the children started going through puberty, like the chemical changes in their bodies caused them to revert to aliens. Like all these kids just start turning into aliens and it's like fucked up. And it was, it was cool. It was kind of a, kind of an awesome book, uh, to young Caleb. Uh, there was like an, another series of like sci-fi horror books by, uh, an author called Paul Zindel. And it was like, basically, uh, he wrote books that would like, it was basically the young adult book version of, uh, sci-fi original movies. So there was like, uh, a book called the reef of death about like a giant, um, monster that lived in like a coral reef. And this kid was like spending his summer scuba diving and he had to like face this monster and shit. Mm. I don't know. Well, huh. uh, I'm just, I'm just nostalgia-ing, but that's fair. So yeah, uh, Guillermo del Toro's cabinet of curiosities. That's next week on the show. Uh, and that's it. That's all we're going to watch. Cause who knows how long this is going to be? Uh, ho- hopefully they're about 45 minutes to an hour a piece. And that way, uh, it's not that painful. Yeah, and if it's uh, if it's nothing that we feel like talking about for a long time, I can talk about books I read in my adolescence. Hmm. Uh, so you can find more of the show at Netflix and Swell.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swell and Friends. Check out Two Peas on a Podcast. Uh, Gerald's doing things. And also check out Rabbit Ears TV Podcast, where Ashley is talking to Paul this month about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All right. Thank you to Space Weather for the use for theme song, Bitter. Uh, which is a song about uh, not being able to surf the big wave because you get handcuffed. It's true. And until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.